0: i mean picasso said all children are artists the problem is remaining an artist when you grow
1: up hi and welcome to another series of factor two the interviews in this series were inspired by a thread which appears from time to time on the ukc forums what's the highest grade that every one of us could achieve if we tried hard enough It's hard to get agreement on this, and much of the discussion focuses on the physical aspect. Is everyone capable, in principle, for example, of climbing French 8A? I don't know the answer to this, but I know that over the years I've surprised myself by finding that what I thought were lines in the sand for my climbing were actually just stepping stones. The biggest limiting factor for me is always motivation. It's no good having the potential to climb a hard route if you don't actually have the motivation to put in the training. And if that route's going to involve significant risk or fear, then that motivation really needs to be intrinsic. It's what John Redhead called authentic desire. It's the desire that keeps you safe, the desire that's honest and wholesome, and at a deeper level it's not just intrinsic motivation, it's an intrinsic part of who you are and what brings you satisfaction in life. The best performances always come from within, and I don't think this is something you can easily manufacture. Throughout this series, I've interviewed people who set out with a lofty goal and stayed motivated by it. Some of them succeeded, some didn't, and some are still a work in progress. The thing they've all got in common is an inner drive and this authentic desire to achieve something, and I wanted to know what that was like.
0: So authentic desire, I think it's a really interesting idea. I'm sure I feel it, when I go to Stanage... On an autumn day, and there's this beautiful piece of golden gritstone in front of me, there's something so warm about it. You know, the the cosiness. I mean, just the cosiness of the rock. Finding that sort of feeling, I think, is something that is wrapped up in all the questions we have about why we climb. What are the risks? What are we willing to accept?
1: Our first story starts in the streets of Sheffield. It was a cold March morning when I was approached by a man in an old down jacket with a big grin. He said he wanted to talk about soloing and fear and isolation. This man was Dave Thomas. And who better to talk about these things? Dave's famous, or infamous depending on your view, for his audacious solo of Lord of the Flies back in 1990. This was only a few years after Ron Fawcett's first ascent of this classic Dinas Cromloch E6. Dave's ascent shocked many with its casual nature. The cliff had been busy, there were people on other routes, the rock had been wet earlier in the day, and it seemed to some like this was a performance by an exhibitionist. Dave's version is quite different. To him, this was a kind of calculated freedom, one born from a sense of control and fulfilment that he'd had ever since he first soloed a route. Soloing became a huge part of Dave's life, and it brought him enormous joy but a lot of that joy was driven by thoughts of a darker time. You're listening to Factor 2 from UK Climbing. Solo
0: in Kinky Boots at Baggy, which is it's VS4C, but it starts with a, a leap of faith sort of lean. You just let yourself fall across the zone and catch the holds on the other side. And it'd be very difficult coming back from that position, or that, that's what it feels like. Anyway, you've got to pull onto, you've got, in a very committing way at the grade, you have to pull from one side of the zone onto the rock on the other. And it's a, there's, there's this point of commitment, and it feels like this totally decisive point of no return. And that route encapsulates how I see soloing completely. I had to consider everything before setting off. I think my, my my throat was probably a little bit dry and it felt like a dangerous thing to do. I think that's the first thing I need to emphasize. It did feel like a dangerous thing to do. It wasn't something that I was getting on thinking, oh, I've done this a million times. There's no way I can fall off it. I think thinking like that is, is stupid. Um, so I set off, I pulled across onto the other side of the zone and that was me. And I can't describe it. As soon as I pulled onto the rock, it was like I just started climbing with this freedom that so it was like I'd, I'd stepped into my own world. It was me on the rock, nobody else. And it, it, gosh, it, it was amazing. I, I dealt with the fact that it was a dangerous thing to do or it felt like a dangerous thing to do before setting off. I'd made the commitment. So therefore, I just had to get on with the act of climbing it. And And I remember moving around the overlap and I got the moves perfect. That, it just came together. It was just, I'd never climbed it so well. And for me, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm doing my own sort of introspection while I'm talking, talking to you. Something about it took away it made it all about my own experience feeling at peace with the rock feeling close to the rock completely part of that environment took away from the situation any hint of it being about a test it wasn't a test it wasn't can i get up this route and i was free from all the sort of accoutrements of, of of rope harness gear and I associate all of those things with with, with a test because ultimately, of course, if, you're, if you are in your right environment, the place that's there for you to enjoy, you don't really need all those other bits of safety equipment. And in many ways, I think that's what it is that I'm trying to express or I'm not trying, but I, I think I express in soloing in that if I was willing to, to make that committed step, I could go to a place where... I could experience myself. It was almost like going back to a place that somehow I'd lost touch with.
1: This place that Dave lost touch with runs deep. It provided a big motivation for many of the ascents he made in the early years of his climbing career. Removing the sense of a test, this thing to be passed or failed on the judgement of someone else, was important to him. And yet our story revolves around a test of sorts. Back in 1989... Dave had a fairly standard back-of-the-car conversation with another climber, albeit Crispin and Waddy, over which route would be harder to solo. Lord of the Flies, or Caveman, the six-pitch E6 on the crumbling sea cliff of the old redoubt in Devon. For most people, this conversation would just pass the time, but for Dave it sowed a seed. Soloing had such a draw for him that he had to find out. It put him back in touch with that lost place and gave him a sense of control over his own destiny in a way that he didn't have when he was a child.
0: In our earlier years, we put this story down and it's all there, it's all recorded, this story within us. Almost in real time, it gets laid down on a tape as we're experiencing it. And it's it's kind of, undifferentiated really it's like a whole collection of different colors some are bright and make you happy and some are a bit dark and a bit sinister and but it's it's there as a a palette that we build up and everyone will have a different palette if you if you're on the receiving end of some form of abuse you know you, you experience yourself very much alone at that time whenever it might happen to be, whether you're four or whether you're 64, it doesn't really matter. And and, and that moment, that time of being abused, you you do, you know, you you experience yourself, you you know that you are alone. Very often we, we seek out things that require that we see things differently, even if it involves us putting ourselves in situations where we have less control. You know, listen to Redhead talking about North Stack Wall you know, Gogarth, he talks about visiting yourself. There's something about doing something scary when you're climbing that it requires that you let go of concerns about how things are going to make you feel. And I I, I, I love it, actually, the sense that you're, you're required to be very deliberate in the moment. For instance, despite feeling scared, you don't feel scared all the time, but Feeling scared is a really, really big part of soloing. I think the, the feeling of fear. I'm saying that in terms of how you, how it, how how it's how it's experienced. Yeah, f- fear was a huge part of my life as a child, without a doubt. Going back to what you're saying about being unsure of whether or not we could do something. I felt that very clearly when, if I think of Lord, Lord of the Flies, it was a route that I definitely wanted a solo. I'd led it once, three years beforehand, so I knew physically I could get up it if I was in the right shape. Driven to Wales to, to meet up with my girlfriend at the time, Helen. Yeah, we, we wandered up to the Cromlech. And I think I told I, I told Helen that that I wanted a solo Lord. Uh, when I got there, Lord was wet. There's a, a, a wet streak running down it. And the sun, the sun was sort of full on that right wall of Cromneck, But it was a case of waiting for it to dry out and hoping that it would dry out in time to do the route. And I, I just remember that you know, I, I, I left it as long as I could. And when I set out, I wasn't sure whether it was in in sufficiently good condition. The big question is, why did I want to solo that route so much? Where was I going in myself? Where did I feel I needed to go in myself? And I think I think that for me, it's a question of being able to maintain a certain integrity despite a very difficult situation. I think that's a, a theme in my life, full stop. What I find most difficult is a loss of integrity. So that's so I feel that, you know, if I put myself in a very challenging situation, I'm able to perhaps heal wounds where I feel I've lost integrity in the past, let's say, as a young kid. Yeah, I mean, I can say an awful lot about that. I really went with the with the whole idea that I didn't know how this was going to go. Yeah, it's not a hard route. It's 7A plus bit harder back then. 1990, I think it was. And 10 years after the first descent, But it's, it's, it's not a difficult route. But w- when, I set out on, when I set out on it, I, I was definitely, I was firmly embracing the idea of negative outcomes, not just positive outcomes. I wasn't thinking, yeah, for sure, I'm going to get up this route. I was definitely, you know, definitely one of the ideas I had in my head was that it was all going to go wrong. <laughs> I, I wasn't actually thinking, oh, it is going to go wrong. But the idea that it could go wrong. Was a possibility that I had to accept. For me, that was part of what I had to accept in embracing the challenge of setting out on that route, making the commitment to go for it, to climb. All I can remember is that when I set out on the route, (laughs) I approached the wall and everything just sort of opened up in front of me, really. You know, it just felt like this long line of really nice crimps and pockets and things up the wall. It was fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, when I was on the route, I, I remember I was around about the old crux where there used to be a peg and it's kind of a bit more thin there. But there was this guy on the corner and he was having a complete nightmare and he, he decked out actually off the corner. R- rattled down the corner pulling out his gear and landed on the ledge at the bottom and he kind of did the same a little bit higher up as well but that that really distracted me and i had to remind myself when i was on the Lord. had to right come on concentrate you know i had to really sort of get myself back in the zone to carry on climbing above the girdle ledge there's a little bit where you you kind of share on this slightly slightly sloping rail there's kind of a finger rail and i remember being on that finger rail and just thinking I just love the experience of, of holding that, touching those holds and having this real sense, this beauty about where I was at the time. I remember thinking what a wonderful place to be. A long way up this this fantastic wall, high up above the valley floor. And I just absolutely loved it. I'm just picking up, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to put... Where I was mentally when I set out on the route, on one side, and my experience of being on it on the other side, and the two things couldn't be much different. For me, personally, one of the single most enjoyable bits of climbing in my climbing career for what it is. I just want to say that, for me, it was the the sheer enjoyment of being on that route that i 've been able to relive and keep and treasure so little of that was about how other people might have seen it. I, I, I got a bit of flack, which was completely in my view completely unjustified. It was a It was a bank holiday, I think it was Easter bank holiday 1990. Yes, the crag had been busy. It was much busier earlier in the day. We, we, we had to wait for the route to dry but it just it wasn't it just wasn't as busy as people have made out it was no different than me setting out on a solo anywhere else at any other time of the year if i'm honest a lot of us in climbing we we, we find ourselves and i think you and i touched on this earlier it's almost as though we we're, we're looking for those we're trying to find those sweet spots those wonderful moments you know i think especially as children everyone pretty much i mean there will be unfortunate exceptions but i'd like to think that everyone at different points in their childhood you know they've experienced those points where everything was about them and i'm not trying to say that in a narcissistic way oh the world that's a good thing that's the way the world should be of course it isn't but i think there are things moments in climbing where you find everything seeming to just kind of go in your favor and you you, or or you feel at peace you're, you're experiencing some flow the only difficulty is that that tends to happen when you are willing to make the commitment to that bit of climbing that you are then currently trying commitment is a very very big part of that equation if you want to find those good feelings i know that a lot of what I have done soloing has involved a great deal of introspection and revisiting some very, very painful places. I guess coping with a trauma that a much better place was taken away. The risk I'm taking is that I might find myself back in a very dark place that I once was as as a young person. Um, dramatic, powerful winds blowing in all of a sudden at that point. I've definitely found, as I've got older, it's the darker stuff, the more painful stuff that people experience, distress, etc., that that is the really important stuff. I think what can happen is the range of colours that you want to work with will tend to change as you get older. I had a little business years ago, a rope access business. I didn't seem to have a problem getting jobs, but ultimately I found it pretty unsatisfying. So from a simple business point of view, you could say that I was in a small way quite successful. The good feeling, so there was the good feeling of say doing a good job and getting paid for it and having more money in the bank than I needed at that time. <laughs> so those are, if you like, positive colours. But what I have found as I've got older, well, ultimately I found that unsatisfying. I mean, my, my dad always emphasised money. My dad was always about money. That's, that's what he saw his role to be. He, he would be home for dinner in the evening He would often be in bed when I left for school. His work didn't require a particularly early start, but he, my dad was, he was there to perform the function of work and bringing money home, but in a way that it just didn't feel as though, it just didn't feel as though he was a a feature of the family. Really, I think that's the best way I can put it. He certainly performed a function, you know, wanted to be able to buy us things. But in terms of a personal presence, I, for me, he, he wasn't around. If you have a fear of being hit as a child, what is, what is going to be coming your way? That's, that's quite interesting. That is quite interesting, actually, because that, that, was, a, that was a very, very strong theme in my life as a child, you know, fear of what is going to be coming my way. What am I? What am I in for? And I express that when I am climbing, for sure. If you have that experience as a child, you also experience the fear of abandonment. Really, you know, you you you, you, you no longer have that sense of being cared for by somebody. You 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 are very much on your own. You know, you you are being abandoned to your fate. As a child, in an in, in an inappropriate way, I was a bit timid in the sea. Timid in my dad's eyes, you know, and he so he'd lose patience and, and push my head under the water. And you mentioned this thing of getting the upper hand. Well, yeah, very much. That is, I would unfortunately, it's still part of the relationship that I have with my father. It's not supportive. At a very early age, there was that sense of something nurturing and something genuinely caring. The most wonderful things in our relationships with other people often get forgotten because we remember, we tend to then remember the more painful things that occur. As we then start to become a little bit older, we can find the the really beautiful things. I think that... I th- Yeah, I... Um, I'm trying to think about it and speak at the same time, but I know there have been times when I've set out on a sort of bigger solo, if you like, I've relived some very dark things. So when I go back through terracotta, talking about that, it's only by talking about it that I can access some of the feelings that I was aware of, some of the feelings that I was carrying around with me at the time that I just took for granted. I can look back on it now and recognize them for what they were. And I'd, I'd never really been conscious of it. But obviously those feelings were a huge component part of my motivation for setting out to solo a route. Soloing was about me dealing with, the conclusions I'd come to about myself from experiences in relation to people like my parents. There's no intended judgment, so hopefully nothing of that sort will be drawn from it. But I remember I I was putting my boots on. I was sat at the top of Moonraker at the Old Redoubt in South Devon. I had my harness on. I can remember now doing my laces up. I'm about to clip into the ab rope to abseil down Moonraker to the start of what I was set, setting out to do, which was to solo a new route at the Old Red Out, a sort of direct on caveman. And I remember in my mind, I was going back to a time when as a very young person, uh, I would have been about four, I, I was being, yeah, I, I was... Um yeah the treatment was pretty harsh let's let's put it that way from from my father it was it was a really really dark experience for me as a very 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 young person. My father was very very much more powerful than me, and um yeah I, I was getting beaten yeah I, I psychologically I was going back to that place for me, the consequences of what I was setting out to do were dressed up in what I'd experienced as a very young person. I clipped onto the ab rope. That was the point of commitment. I was setting off down Moonraker to the start of the new route that I wanted to solo at the Old Redoubt. What set the wheels in motion was that I'd been climbing at the Old Redoubt an awful lot over the summer. And I looked at this line. It was just a slightly, slightly straighter line, a way of straightening, straightening out caveman. And I looked at the lip of the overhang. I, I didn't really want to get on it, you know, practice it first, but I could see that there was a block on it. And I always had fantasies about soloing stuff. And I could see that this block looked like your typical sort of stuck on loose block at the old red out. And I thought, well, I can't justify soloing it if I think that that block is loose. I guess the weird thing here is that all the time I was thinking in terms of soloing it. Soloing routes was my fantasy. That's what I... That was what I loved to do, full stop. That's what my climbing was was about, you know, in a significant way. Anyway, I'd, I'd add the route to check it out. And of course, this block was loose. I cleaned what was left. And I thought, well, I better check to see whether or not the move still goes... I had my weight on the ab rope and I tried the moves when I was on the ab rope. And I thought, yeah, that goes. When I committed to start up caveman, everything just flowed. It was, it was, it was brilliant. There was a bit of a, a moment where I realized this sling I'd taken with me to clip into the belay, thinking, you know, just to give myself, myself some respite. Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't go into the belay because it was, it was just too short. It didn't really matter too much. I was, I was bridged out in the niche at, at the belay in any case. There, were, there was a moment when I had to drop down onto this, this rail, that goes through the, the sort of the iconic, what I call railway tunnel part of the route. And I had to hold this this hold together. It was shifting, it was like a pack of cards balanced on top of this rail in lots of little bits, but it was the hold I had to use. And I basically just had to grip it together and ho- hope it didn't disintegrate. Thankfully it didn't. And I dropped onto the rail and I, I basically just aped along it, stuck a foot in the brake at the end and hung out backwards. Laughing basically. I had my, my foot, my leg jammed in the brake, and I just, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, this is the thing that by taking the making the commitment, taking the chance that you might discover something really horrible, in that way, you also find yourself going to places that are absolutely amazing. Oh, it's just absolutely fantastic. There I am in the middle of, middle of this amazing sea cliff, effectively hanging upside down dangling from a leg jammed in a brake above the sea. I mean, you know, just awesome. Absolutely awesome. What, what concerned me was for a significant part of the time, I'm going to be way above anything that might be considered a, a safety zone. So I've set out on this new route, absolutely not thinking in terms of being able to fall off. I certainly didn't expect to be falling off the first part of caveman in any case. And I think what I found is that if you really commit to the climbing, that's less likely to happen. But but you've got to be fairly, firmly committed as soon as you start worrying. Oh, am I, am I going to fall off here? Am I not? And you, you start climbing really badly and you are much more likely to fall off if, if if that's what you're thinking. So I prefer climbing without the sense of contingency, just to be co- completely committed the other thing I, I was really worried about a block that was submerged at that point but only just and i just used to think about it as this huge coffin shaped block so it had all the drama of you know <laughs> you know it signified my demise if i was if i was to fall off i'd hit it and i'd drown or something like that i think there are if if you want to be yourself if you want to feel that you you can experience you for who you are I'm afraid. I think that you also have to accept a lot of sort of negative thoughts and feelings. Certainly, negative feelings, sort of like fear. I think fear is—it's one of the prices we have to pay for feeling more authentic. The painful experiences that I had uh, when I was younger, for me, there was a, a sense that those experiences took something away from me. Soloing, I think, especially on something big like that, the commitment required, it's part of trying to get something back, I think, and that's what I'm setting off to do. It's like having been through a really difficult, something really painful and horrible has happened, which shouldn't have happened. I guess doing the route is about touching base psychologically with the difficult experience, but ending up with a different outcome. That was the, the test, if you like. It was accepting, it was about accepting what life would mean for me in that situation, but, but remaining deliberate, you know, not, not running away because I felt scared, but, but still being able to, to operate in the moment. There I was, I'd found myself just dangling upside down basically frank had agreed to take some photos and, and he, he didn't know what to make of this at all i think he, i think he was getting a bit freaked out actually anyway i was enjoying that moment really enjoying that moment in a, in a really playful way you know not dissimilar to the way that a kid might feel happy if they were being spun around for instance in the air by their dad just saying you know that's the sort of experience it was for me. Okay, the next part of the climbing, I've got to pull up onto the next wall and there's a sort of sandwiched wall between the, the roof of Caveman and the next roof. Anyway, this is the wall that Lip Trip traverses. So I step up and left onto that wall to look at the next bit of climbing. And this, this is the bit of climbing I've not done before, the new bit. Again, Frank's out spinning around in space behind me. I'm bridged out, just just making sure I'm recovering getting a shake the only hold i've actually got to use to recover on is this block with a little capping stone on the top of it but the top of the stone is loose (laughs) i kept again i was freaking i being really i was being really cruel because i was sort of freaking frank out there was a big pinch at the back of the roof which i would hold with one hand which which was really hollow if you tapped it and then i'd take the top of the other hold off and and, then sort of squiggle something in the mud underneath it just to show (laughs) how ridiculous it was I'd put the top back on it and I'd pinch it together and then I'd match on it to, to carry on shaking out that's a kind of weird thing don't quite know why I was doing that I think I was just trying to distract myself before the next bit of climbing and then I went for it went out across the next section of roof quite a nice easy flake out to the lip really the climbing isn't very hard but it's very airy at that point. And of course, you are that bit higher again. So it does become increasingly more committing. And you are very, very much on the lip of everything at that point. I get to the end. In my mind, I think I know exactly what I've got to do when I get there. And I reach for this undercut. I sl- sling my foot on a foot hook somewhere, reach for this little undercut, thinking I'm just going to pull into this undercut. And it's really small. And use that and slap up to the next break. Not a chance. Absolutely. Absolutely hopeless. Pathetic. Anyway, uh, things have been written up in a way that makes it sound more dramatic than it probably was because I just made the snap decision in the moment. Didn't even think about it. And I just laid one on. I pulled in. I used that little undercut and laid one on and sort of did this this big swinging crossover with my right hand to some large flat holds above my left, which I hit, thankfully, which is great. And I carried on to the dreadnought Beale. The feeling that I'm aware of talking about this is intense sadness. Actually, that again, I mean, I could get really emotional about this. I, I was on my own. Uh, I, know I had my friend Frank with me, but I, I know there, were, there was a lot that happened when I was a kid, and, and I'd want, I w- would have wanted my dad around. That's what comes to mind when I think about this, that there I was doing what I could do. If I just let myself do it, this is what I could do. I know that there was someone absent in my life really to share wonderful experiences with. I think that is that is the feeling that I had at that time, although not, I've not really thought about it much. I, I, I've wanted to share certain things with certain other people, and it's not been possible for me to do it, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean again, I think that has been a common theme. That is that is a thread in my life. I think when when we feel that when we feel supported by other people, it, it, the way it works, I think, is that we feel more equipped to cope with the things that don't really go our way.
1: It felt to me while talking to Dave that the idea of authentic desire might be troubling You can hear the pure joy in his voice at describing the freedom of soloing. But it struck me that some of his darker motivations come, initially at least, from external forces. And maybe all of our motivations arrive this way at first. Once we absorb the experiences, good or bad, they become part of us. You've been listening to Factor 2 from UK Climbing. I'm Will Treasure. Thanks for listening.